Hi, guys. <laughs> a strange force has entered the galaxy. The future of mankind is at stake. It could only mean one thing. Greetings, Captain. Spock. I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation. Oh. The vacation is over. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise. Enterprise, are you ready? Is taking adventure where it has never gone before. What are you standing around for? Do you not know a jailbreak when you see one? From the mind of a madman. Hostile force has taken control of our vessel. Mr. Solo, full ahead. Through the center of the galaxy. You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. To the final frontier. Fascinating. How often have you done this? Actually, it's my first attempt. Fire the rocket! You never cease to amaze me. Nor I myself. This is the boldest trek of all. Warp speed now. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. This is Scott, you're amazing. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my ass. Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Trek Talk, and this is a special 500 show. Um, actually, it might actually be more than 500, perhaps, um, because I was doing the show with, with another host, which we'll get to in a second earlier. But at any rate, uh, we decided to play the Star Trek V trailer at the beginning of the show rather than our usual theme because Star Trek V is questionably the best Star Trek movie ever made and my favorite Star Trek film. And with that being said, wow. for my special 500th show, who better to have on the show live with us to answer your questions than the one, the only, the lovely, the awesome, the incredible Fixis herself, Spice Williams Crosby. Is she here with us live? Wow. Wow, I'm totally jazzed. <laughs> Isn't that great? Uh, six, Six four six 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 eight two four three three. If you have any questions for Spice, give us a call. We'll get you on the air, and you can ask Spice questions. Before we do that, I want to go around the room and introduce all my awesome co-hosts because we're going way back. Uh, my original, actually, my original host of the show that I used to co-host for, uh, who got me started on this whole thing, is in the room with us. Of course, I'm talking to none other than Admiral Ken. Ken is out all How are you doing tonight, Ken? Oh, I'm doing great. Like I said, it's, it's another blustery day in, in, well, Albany and Troy, New York. Yeah, it's, it's cold here in Vermont, too. It's only 25, and we're expecting snow. But we'll get by. we got truck talking to get by. And also on the line with us from Las Vegas, Nevada, we have our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles? I'm doing all right, trying to stay warm. Jim's been sharing his cold front with us, and yeah, we're not we're not having it. Me and the temperatures back up. And uh, also, wrapping out our trifecta from Portland, we have David, the donut guy. How you doing tonight, David? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Um, yeah, everything's pretty uh, chilly out right now. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. 
And also from Portland, we have Paul, the wine slash toy guy. How you doing, Paul? I am good, man. I'm I'm extremely excited that we are in the presence of Klingon royalty tonight. I, I am just <laughs> humbled and in awe, and it's uh, it, it's amazing. I, I there's a bowl of gawk just sitting here on the countertop, waiting for the right moment. It, so it's gonna be fun for sure. <laughs> our, our trifecta from Portland. With us as usual, we have our very own Eric. How you doing tonight, Eric? Oh, I am having such a great night tonight, and I'm super excited to have Spice on the program again. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, I always like talking about Klingons. They're one of my favorites. Uh, not quite like Jim, but, man, they're so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, now that we've gone around the table, our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking. We're going to have Spice with us here for about another hour, so you have plenty of time to call and ask your questions. But I want to start off because I'm the host and I can do that. So, uh, Spice, uh, you had a pretty busy weekend, I see. Oh, I did. By the way, hi, everyone. And I feel so bad for you, uh, the weather being so cold. Uh, I just came in from sitting out by the pool, so don't let that bother you. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, that says Klingons. Kablah. But, uh, yeah, I did. I I had an incredible, momentous moment in my life uh, Saturday at the world-renowned Martial Arts History Museum. And I was honored. They gave me a tribute day, uh, which I, I really don't think I deserve, but apparently others did because they all showed up to, to say so. And... Um, I got a beautiful trophy and a lot of gifts and, and a bunch of – I sent you, uh, Jim, I sent you through Instagram um, a couple of videos uh, that they made um, for for the particular day. One is, um, I guess, just a bunch of me all over the place. And then the second video that I think I just sent you was just a bunch of acting parts and TV shows, movies, and also when I was a sports newscaster, which – Thank God they never heard half the stuff I said behind the scenes because it was hard. It was a hard job. I hated it. But anyway, I'm happy to be here with everybody. And um, God, take it away. Start asking. Well, well, I wanted to ask you, uh, martial arts, we may have touched on this before, but at the end of Star Trek V, when you're walking across the, the uh, ballroom and Chekhov and Sulu are behind you, and Mr. Stulu said, or Mr. Chekhov says, she has wonderful muscles. Um, and then you walk over and you stand next to the claw. Um, how did you, how did you get in shape like that for that movie? I mean, you were an extremely muscular Klingon. I think at the time, one of the most muscular Klingons we'd ever seen to date, actually. Well, what was funny is that that um, that very last scene that we were doing. Bill was um, not happy with the way it was all going because he felt like, you know, you know the expression, have egg on your face, like you're kind of stopped dead and, and things aren't moving. Well, I've, he came on over and he says, guys, it feels like an omelet on your face. Well, we got to do something. It's, there's too much time between when you're walking out of that hallway to going over to where you need to be. And so it was uh, Chekhov that said, uh, I got it. I'll say something. And Bill said, okay, let's see. And as we were walking, he said, oh, she has such wonderful muscles. And 
it was funny. Some people behind the scene laughed. And then that was, what, 1989 when we did that. All these years, I'll be walking down the street or anywhere I go, I'll hear someone go, oh, she has such wonderful muscles. It's kind of like, I'll be back. But um, it, it's very something special that I loved about it. And I was getting in shape for other movies. I uh, Way, way back in 1982, I think, I was training. There was a, a movie of the week called Getting Physical with Sandal Bergman and Alexandra Paul, and they needed a world-class bodybuilder who could act, and they couldn't find any of them. So I was, uh, I was training, and a casting director said, would you want to come in for an audition? And I did, and I got it. And um, so the muscles were there already, but I looked more like a fitness person. And when I went into audition, first of all, I'm a, I'm a trekker, uh, and I make no apologies for it. I'm 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 the I'm the worst. When the fans come up to me and want to take pictures, I want to take pictures with them. So I'm just we're all nerds. We're all trekkies and trekkers. So I told Bill, I said, look, I uh, I've dreamed about playing a part like this, and they. They had, like, the clothes that they had for me. You know, remember all the Klingons had these black, hairy arms and bushy eyebrows. And I said, I said to Bill, I said, listen, if you give me a chance, I'll give you special effects that your special effects department cannot give you. And he said, what do you mean? I said, don't put any sleeves on my arms. I'll pump my biceps out to uh, 13 and a half, 14 inches. I'll give you a, a, a tiny little waist of 21 inches, and I'll V my back out. Let me make me look like a real alien. And so he said, okay. And, uh, and I said, I want special pants. I don't want those baggy pants. I want the tight spandex stuff that we wear, on, you know, like bodybuilding stuff. Uh, which is another story because they couldn't get that right. They, it cost for a pair of bloody pants. It cost about eight thousand dollars because they insisted on doing it themselves. When I said, "Guys, I got a thirty-five dollar pair of spandex here. We can wear that." No, no, no. You know, union. But I trained and uh, dieted down along with Todd Bryant. He and I rehearsed three times a week. Uh, we trained. We checked each other's diet. And I got down to about 6% body fat. And, uh, and it's hard because I'm a vegan, but um, we did it. And then I gave them everything. The only problem was I told them, make my costume with a 21-inch waist. And they only got it down. They could only do – well, they got it down to 21, but I could only get it down to, like, 23. So it took three women to get me into that vest and I remember Bill was irate he was screaming yelling what are, what's going on you're all making me late you're making me late you're making me late come on let's go 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 and the three women were desperately laying me down sitting on my chest trying to squeeze all the air out so they could zip my leather vest up and um, they, we did it but they said you'll never be able to breathe I said perfect that's great for my character and um, and and so when we walked in, Todd was buffed, I was buffed, and it just worked perfectly. We felt like we were real Klingons. And what, what kind of director was William Shatner? I mean, we hear kind, we hear I, stories, but what, how was he as a director? You're always going to hear stories. A lot of people don't get it. I loved him. 
I thought he was amazing, and I'll tell you why. He didn't direct like most directors direct today. Most directors are like they're directing traffic. You know, it's like, oh, sit here, get up and go over there because that's what the lines say. You're going to have a light shining over here, so that's where we want you. You guys move this way, move that way. If I made one move with Bill, he said, why are you moving? And I go, well, it says it in the script. He goes, you don't move because it says it in the script. You're an actress. What just motivated you to move? And I, he'd make me think. And I go, well, because the ship's going to blow up if I don't get over there. Okay, now we're talking. So it was like being, it was like being in an acting class because he's an actor. And, you know, I, we all have our own quirky personalities and things. But I, I, the only thing I care about as an actress when I'm on a set is can I communicate and can I connect with my actors and my director so that we can pull off what we want and Bill being an actor uh, was amazing just amazing so I truly truly loved working with him excellent I now what about uh, Leonard Nimoy what was he like on the set well Leonard Leonard kind of scared the shit out of me if I can say that (laughs) Um, I know you guys are all Yes. What? It said it's talk radio. You can say that. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm not worried about talk radio. I'm worried about you guys because you're so innocent. But um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Leonard. Okay, uh, so so I'd gone through nine hours of them trying to figure out my makeup, hair, everything. So we were experimenting. There was Jeff Don and Wes Don, just two of the greatest. Wes has left uh, us, but uh, but at the time, Wes and Jeff, their father and son, and we were working very, very hard, and the biggest thing that was holding us up was how they were going to make my eyebrows. And it, should it be bushy? Should it be this? Should it be that? And I kept looking, and I'm like, guys, this is, it's so, I thought, let's make me kind of sexy. I mean, if you make me bushy eyebrows, may as well put hair under my arms. I mean, it's ridiculous. So um, we decided when we looked at my eyebrows, I, he had to take one off at a time to trim it. And when he took that one eyebrow off, I covered up the other eye and I go, hey, what do you think about this? How's this look? And he goes, kind of sexy. I go, well, let's go with no eyebrows. So you'll see that I'm the only Klingon that ever went with no eyebrows. And in this process of trying to fiddle around and figure out how we're going to go, Leonard came in, and he was pissed. He threw down a pair of ears, and he looked at Jeff Dunn, and he goes, all right, I'm already getting emails about how my ears were longer in the last film, and I can't, they've got to be consistent. And And he really kind of just, chewed into these guys you've got to do it right because the fans will know and then they'll you know so he was uh, i was like sitting back going home dee dum 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 you know keep your mouth shut williams he's on a he's on a rant about his ears and then he turned to me and stuck his finger in my face i was like oh 
And he said, and you, you better get every single one of those Klingon words right because they'll notice, they'll write in, and it will be embarrassing for you, and it will be wrong for us. So you better work very hard on that language. And I was like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. So he walked out, and that I don't think I ever had any other conversation with the guy. But I, I would have done it that way anyway. Because I knew that when I looked at that language, I was doomed. I just knew it. I was on the floor crying. My agent came in, what's wrong? And I said, I can't do this. I, don't, I barely speak Spanish. I mean, this. I can't do this. And she looked at it, and she said, wow, maybe we didn't ask for enough money. And I said, oh, what, what, what am I going to do? And then I just kind of sucked it up and asked for God's help. And I had an angel that said, well... One day at a time, and I said, okay, okay. And that's what I did, was I just practiced it one day at a time. Todd and I practiced, practiced. I mean, it was just, it was relentless practice. And uh, and all worked out. But nobody could say anything about my language. Um, so Leonard never said anything, but I'm sure he was pleased. Now, Spice, was the script given to you and Todd in Klingon? and then you had to translate it into English, or was it given to you in English, and you had to translate it into Klingon? Well, that's a really good question. Of course it was given to me in English. And when I read it and went over it, I, I, had to be, I was brought in like five times. You know, you guys know about acting. You get an audition, then you get called back, and if, you like, if they like you, you get the job. I had the audition, and I got called back five times. And so by the fifth time, I was like, oh, my God, just, you know, they shoot horses, don't they? Just kill me. I can't take the, I can't take the stress of this. And I was in the room with some amazing actresses. I mean, really amazing, beautiful, that went on to become stars and everything else. And I was like, oh, I'd look at them. i go, wow, good luck, you know, bitch. I just, it was so frightening, that that room and when I finally went in for the audition there were all these three-piece suits sitting around this big giant table and uh, Bill was at the head of it and Harb Bennett over there and Ralph Winter and all the the makeup people and all the wardrobe people and I mean it was just like oh my god I've and you walk in and but I had rehearsed so much guys that uh, and the casting director I think his name was Bill Shepard oh I don't know if he's with us anymore, but, oh, my God, what a lovely man. And he just grabbed my hand, and he said, you're going to be great. Just relax. And and so I I did my lines, builded his, and then it was totally quiet. And then I looked over, and Bill said, I wish I could redirect you, but I can't think of any better way to do it. And I was like, oh, my God, that was a lovely thing to say. And then... Ralph Winter said to me, no, it wasn't Ralph, it was Harv Bennett. He said, well, you know you're going to have to do all those lines you just did in Klingon. And I'm like, uh, yeah, well, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what I'm, I didn't even think about it. I had no clue. And he said, well, do you speak any languages? And I said, I poorly speak Spanish. And I do sign language, not real good. And then Bill looked at my resume and he said, oh, it says here you do ob. And, you know, like people do um, 
Pig Latin. I, he goes, what is ob? And I said, oh, well, it's, I actually put that down there just to see if anybody really read my resume. <laughs> but it was a language we spoke in college. It was fun just so we could talk behind people's backs or something, but it's called ob. You put an ob after a consonant. So it would be like uh, cat would be cobat, dog would be dabog. And he said, really? Well, say something to me in ob. And I swear to God, guys, I did this. Um, you can laugh at me all you want. <laughs> I looked at William Shatner, who really at the time was Captain Kirk for me, and I said, Abai Labov Yabu. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and people go, you did not. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I did. but So they go, okay. And then that was a Friday and I drove home from Hollywood to the Valley, and that was a long, torturous traffic drive. And then I had, I went to the gym on Saturday, and then I laid around on Sunday. And in my mind, I kept thinking, okay, you made a fool of yourself, and you will never get a part with all these amazing actresses that are up for it. So just enjoy the moment. And then I was at the gym on Monday, and they, my agent called me, and said you got it and I screamed so loud the next store over was going everybody all right over here you know but it, it was a very incredible moment for me and and everything the process was so intense to learn the language even Mark Ogren flew in from Washington DC and sat in my kitchen putting his hands in my mouth to show me where my tongue should go while I was saying what vuvnak hang on and how to spit and how to do everything. So the training, the language, the everything, the most, you know, the most beautiful thing was, you know, not just having discipline about it and trying to let go of all my fears was that when we did set up and Bill said action and we did our first scene, because you guys got to understand, Paramount was pissed. They were three days behind they were screaming at Bill like it was his fault. It wasn't his fault. There were a lot of things that didn't go right. It wasn't Bill's fault, but it was actors that didn't know their lines. It was special effects that didn't go right. A lot of things that didn't go right. But it wasn't Bill's fault. But they were coming down on Bill. And, of course, Bill was fit to be tied and would lash out at any minute. So... When it came time for us to do our scenes, all the three-piece suits came down again, and there were all these people wanting to, because they'd never seen Klingons do um, conversation. They would always bark out commands, whatever. But this was a first to show this couple, the Klingon couple, um, even though they didn't write it that way, but Todd and I interpreted it, that I was uh, the woman really wearing the pants, but behind every great man is a greater woman and how we interpreted yeah. our characters. And um, so anyway, they, they all showed up and everybody, I'm telling you guys, you could cut the tension with a knife, but when we set up and he said action and we did our lines, he was just, it was, you, you, you couldn't hear a pin drop. And then wow. Bill said, that was friggin' brilliant, and he was screaming, and everybody was applauding, and it was just, I mean, I can't even begin to tell you guys, it was like the most 
orgasmic experience in my life because I did my job. I did one day at a time, one step at a time. I, I followed it through to the end, to the action and to the cut. And then Bill said after everybody was dancing in the aisles, okay, now you got to do it in English. And it was like, what? <laughs> English? I don't even remember the English. What the hell is the English? So we had to have the script supervisor come over and read us back the English because we had converted everything so much into Klingonese. Todd and I even sat down and did a character breakdown like, okay, what do Klingons eat? Okay, do they brush their teeth? Nah, they don't bother. Okay, how do they make love? How do they do this? How do they, you know, how do they treat their family? We really just broke down everything. So by the time we started our scene, really when I was walking to stage five, I remember in my boots and the pants and the the wig, the makeup and everything, as I was walking, it was that final act of conviction. Okay, I got called. I'm going to the studio, but um, I'm a Klingon now. I'm just a Klingon now, and that's what Todd said. Todd looked at me, and you know, normally, he, Todd's like my brother. Uh, we're still really great friends. He's moved to Florida. He's just awesome. We talk all the time. But he just... He always gave me hugs, kisses. How you doing, sister? What's going on? When we walked in and met each other, we had no human friendship relationship. We were Klingons there to do a job. It was so strange the way I looked at him, the way I interacted with him, the way he looked at me. There was no hugs, touchy-feely stuff. It was just commanding stuff. We had just become Klingons. And... uh, it was a very incredible, remarkable experience. Out of all the films I've ever done, probably done over TV a couple hundred, that was probably the most amazing transformation I ever personally made. I mean, maybe I have a few other shows that I went, wow, I went so far out, I came back in, I don't know. But it was something that I could say, whatever you're scared to death about, suck it up. Put on your big boy, big girl panties and take one step at a time, one day at a time, one inch at a time, one second at a time, and just be consistent, and you will hit your end goal. It's inevitable. Speaking of transformations, how long did it take you to, to go from Spice to Vixus? You mean in makeup? You mean yeah, like getting yeah. dressed? May- oh, oh, yeah. well, the makeup, the first day, the makeup was about nine hours long because they were all trying to figure out how to look and stuff. But eventually we got it down to six hours. And I did have some call times that were, I'd get off work at like nine o'clock at night and our call times would be 3.30 in the morning. So I'd, I'd have to just run home, um, you know, maybe get an hour or so of sleep, whatever I needed to do, and then I'd come right back. But from 3.30 in the morning till maybe 9 o'clock would be my set time. Because there was a lot more than just makeup. I mean, I had prosthetics on my head, that packs paint. They had to get that just right. Um, the hair, the wig, the little braid, leather braid they put over. The wig was, I don't know, man. The wig was a cheap piece of crap. And so 
the hairdresser, I think her name was Hazel, I'm not sure, but um, I had suggested, you know, the end of this wig, why don't we put like a little hairband or something over it so it doesn't look so incredibly bad and she had braided this out of the leather that they made my vest out of she had braided this long strip and she that's what you'll see if you look at my hair you'll see that little braid that goes along my hairline and she goes there that looks like that will fix it so um, I would say nine hours the first day and then six pretty much six hours the other days. Wow, that's incredible. And uh, Paul, do you have a question you wanted to ask Spice while we've got her on the line? Oh, gosh, Ralph, of course, of course. It's, it's wonderful to have you on here. We're excited Thank that, you, uh, Paul. to celebrate the 500 episodes and to actually I think that's incredible. Wow. You mean you guys have been doing this for 500 episodes? I, yep. According to Jim's math, maybe even more. <laughs> you know, wow. you guys, we get forgetful sometimes. Oh, we did do one. Yeah, no, so maybe it's up to no you know, kidding. four digits. Who knows? Uh, you've done so many cool things. We were you know, reviewing all the things you've done in the past and everything on here. Uh, did I see that you had done like some seven of nine stunt work on Voyager? Did I see that? Yeah, I did. And, and that's the funny thing because I told you how I got my outfit down to like 20... 23 inches on my waist, I had said about 21, and the, so the costume was still at 21 inches. Oh, and God. so um, Dennis Madalone, who was a stunt coordinator, called me up. He's also like a neighbor and a good friend, but he, he and I'd never work for Dennis. It's like, hey, Dennis, how you doing? When are you going to hire me, you little pipsqueak? But he goes, oh, I'll find a job for you. I'll find a job for you. So he finally called me up. He goes, I got a job for you. And I said, what? And he says, a bunch of fighting. I said, oh, cool. He said, but I don't really need you for that. I need you because nobody else can fit into that uniform. She's a 21-inch. I said, I'll take it. I don't care. So, um, so yeah, I went in, I think, twice to double her. And then I was wow. on uh, um, Deep Space Nine. I played a Clystronian. Oh wow! Excellent. That's yeah, excellent. Because that you've done like, has there ever been a situation where like, I know people always get the impression like that stunt people are like superhuman, that they're just able to do all these amazing things. I mean, in the course of your many TV and film uh, appearances, has anyone ever tried to ask you to do stunt work that you were just like, dude, I can't do that. That's impossible. <laughs> are they? <laughs> well. I yeah, of course, especially the producers and the directors. They don't care if you break a leg or you're dead, you know, next. I mean, yeah. But, uh, um, well, but here's the thing. Um, the reason why people get a stunt Emmy today is because I fought for seven years to make the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences recognize that stunt people are artists, technicians, and performers. They, those, those snotty little elites thought we were uh, daredevil extras. And we're not. All of us, we want to come back the next day for a job. None of us are excited about dying. So you have to be um, 
technical, you have to be skilled, you have to know what you're doing, and you also have to have a performative thing. I mean, anybody can take a hit across the face, but then you've got to play the pain. So you have to be somewhat of an actor, actress, to play the pain, to be able to, the minute we get on the set, we look at the actor, the actress, how they walk, we have to walk like them, we have to sit like them, you have to be able to mimic, and then at the same time, you have to be able to play the pain, and then also, if it gets down down to like, uh, nah, I'm not going to do this one. I Like for me in high falls, I've done high falls uh, in motorcycles. And after my kid turned t- three years old, I, I had done a m- movie with Maria Conchita Alonso and I was riding a motorcycle. We, I was a motorcycle gang thing. And we were going all over these mountains and through some rivers. And uh, I hit some mud and ran into a tree. I only dislocated my baby finger. But... It was a nasty day for me, and I've been born and raised on a a ranch, a horse. I rode my horse to kindergarten. If you throw me on a horse, throw me off, drag me, I'm happy as a pig and shit. I don't care. But you put me on a motorcycle, I'm already urinating in my pants, and you put me on a, a, a building to do high falls, I just look down and I'm like, no, the, the, why am I doing this? Uh, but if you if you throw me down 55 feet of stairs, oh, I'm happy, I'm happy. I mean, I, if you go on YouTube, you can put in Spice Williams Crosby Stairfall. And I got a real gnarly one I did a couple of years ago down a, a, a spiral staircase. And it's like, I had to do it four times crazy. I was doubling Tracy Lords. You know that? You know that? Tracy Lords? Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Infamous. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I could have said any other actors, like, no, I'm not sure, but I go, Tracy Lord. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> you guys are so innocent. So, anyway, um, I was doubling her, and uh, it was a crazy thing. But I lo- as long as I'm hitting the ground, I did do a stunt where I was hanging from a helicopter 350 feet in the air, with a with a buddy of mine, Eddie Anders, and uh, we were like in the um, uh, Indiana Jones type thing. We were in a, a boat going down. It was going to go off the waterfall, and he has a bullwhip, so he throws it up, hits the, um, the skids on the helicopter, and then as the helicopter pulls out, we're attached to it, so we go flying through this canyon. And it was like 110, 112 that day. Uh, we had our our vests on. We had all of our gear on to be able to tie up to this helicopter. And, uh, you know, when it's that hot and you're flying 350 feet in the air and you're looking all over the place and you go, yeah, I could die now. <laughs> I could definitely die. But I felt more comfortable because I was connected to the helicopter, you know, the cable and everything. I'm not comfortable when I just fall off a building because there's no connection. I, when it comes to my airspace, I'm a moron. I'm a complete idiot. I, I do a high fall, and I'm like, Duh, where am I? But if I do a stair fall, as long as I'm hitting something, I could tell you where my earlobe's going to hit, my shoulder's going to hit. Um, and as long as I'm connected to something, I've done ratchets and air rims and where you get pulled, and as long as I'm connected to something, I certainly feel better. But that airspace thing, I'm a complete moron. So I uh, drove home from this motorcycle job. can't even remember the name of the movie. 
betrayal or something. But anyway, I had about a two-hour drive home, and I, you know, you have that come-to-Jesus conversation where I said, well, you know what, God, my kid's three years old, and I hate doing motorcycles. I really do. So, and I hate doing high falls. I really do. So I drove home, and when I got home, I parked, and I went right in the house, back into my office. I have a great office out back with my husband. And I pulled up my resume, and I deleted motorcycles and high falls. And when they call me, I go, no. And they go, but you, we've seen you do them. I go, yep, but, you know, a cat has nine lives, and I really feel like I got to my ninth. That's it. Excellent. <laughs> well, especially that the helicopter – I'm sure you'll, you'll understand this. The helicopter that I was hanging from, if you pull up a YouTube video of Meatloaf's video, I'd lie, I'd lie for you and that's the truth. It was a great music video he made. It was based off Indiana Jones. And you'll see me, I'm wearing a white chiffon dress, riding a horse. I got a helicopter behind me and then I'm also in this boat, canoe going over the falls. And I mean, it's a big Indiana music video. But when we finished this one day, the helicopter went back to base camp, and my husband and I and my little baby at the time, Lukey, little baby, he's 27 now. But anyway, we were going around the bend, and that helicopter crashed right in front of us. And I spent oh, about man. four hours trying trying to pick body parts out. And... Um, and then I... So obviously, I don't like helicopters. And the next job I got... The stunt coordinator said, hey, I just need you to play an FBI agent. I said, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you're going to grab this guy. We've been after him, and uh, so you're going to be the FBI agent. You're going to grab him, and then we'll walk. I said, look, I don't, I don't do helicopters anymore. And he goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. And I said, yeah, but he's getting out of a helicopter. He goes, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. And then so he had a big meeting with the director, the producers, and everything, and then – Started to do this scene, and the guy that's playing the criminal starts running towards the helicopter, and I'm grabbing him, and I'm going, "What? What the hell are you doing?" He goes, "Yeah, they told me to run into the helicopter. You got to come with me." And I'm like, "What?" And so somehow I had to get into that helicopter, and then my stunt coordinator yelled, "You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You're just going to go up, go around, and come back down." I go, "Oh crap." So I'm sitting in a helicopter with the doors open, The wind, and now it starts to rain. So it's windy, the rain's piling in, and I'm like, I need another come-to-Jesus conversation. And then it comes over the radio. This was a little mini tornado, and it's torn up the runway, so you guys are going to have to be up there for a while until we fix it. So I was in this bloody helicopter for like 20 minutes, and um, when I got out, my stunt coordinator started to run for me because he knew I was ready to clock him. But, um, but say la vie, <laughs> none of us are looking to die, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, I want to make sure we have a chance to pass the mic around to everybody on here, Spice. But i got to just say, uh, you and Todd Bryant as Captain Claw, for my money, the best thing about Star Trek V is the two of you. I would have liked to have seen you guys survive that movie I would like to have seen a, a TV series of you guys at home as a married Klingon couple. To me, that would have been a home run. You know, you've heard of well, I we Love Lucy, close. I Love Vixus. I think that would be a show people would watch, so. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you saw some of the comic books. They showed Claw jumping out of the upper story uh, window 
um, and Vix is hanging out in her pajamas going, where are you going? Are you coming back? They really, we knew that there wasn't any dialogue about us being a couple, but, you know, actors always know their subtext, and, and we, we created a subtext that uh, we were lovers, but because well, it comes of the across, crayon race. We sure saw it, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's, that's what we wanted to do. And so, uh, yeah, we were supposed to be because we knew Gene Roddenberry, and he loved us, and he wanted us for the next generation. But it was Rick Berman who hated Gene Roddenberry, so he didn't want, he didn't want anything that Gene Roddenberry wanted, so we were kind of almost banned from that. Wow. Well, in another life, in another dimension, who knows what will happen. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we... We moved. Oh, the, the funny thing is that they didn't know I was doing stunts on the next shows, you know. So I was playing all these other characters and doubling and stuff. So I don't know. It all worked out, you know. Uh, the way it's supposed to be. Oh, my my husband's actually sitting here. He right, reminded me that you know, um, was it Tasha? What was her name? Tasha Young, Tasha, right? Tasha. Yeah. My husband's grandfather is Bing Crosby. So it was his sister that played that role. Wow. Star Trek is determined to get into your life here. It's, it's, uh, there's, no, there's no escape in it, friend. Well, I was, uh, uh, when I was on the road for 10 years, my twin sister and I had a rock and roll group called Sugar and Spice, and we played all the casinos. But it was a known fact, a known fact, that all the music groups that rehearsed during the day, because we all worked at night, at 4 o'clock, everybody shut their music down and walked. And an entertainment director came up to me one time. He goes, what is it about you musicians? At 4 o'clock, you all shut down, clear across the strip. doesn't matter if you're at Caesars or Sahara or Flamingo. You all do at the same time, shut down at 4. And I looked at him and I said, dude, because Star Trek comes on at 4.30. <laughs> Perfect. We were all Star Trek fans, and we're talking about 1970. I mean, it was insane. So That's for great. me to get an audition to uh, to read and play a role on Star Trek V, I mean, I was I was beyond beside myself, and uh, I mean, it was a great gift for me, well, really. So, the franchise is lucky to have you in it, and you you left an indelible mark for sure. That's all I know. Well, I, I want to make sure that we get a chance to, to get some of my compadres here who've got questions. I think my, my Eric light is flashing loudly. Eric, what do you got, buddy? I know. You got something you want well, to say. Where have you been, so Eric? Well, my sister's enjoying to talk to you. I just love uh, kind of sitting and chilling and, like, listening to you tell stories because uh, all the stories you tell, you can almost just see what's happening, uh, which I really appreciate. But um, I'm going to do – I'm going to do something that we used to do, which is pivot just a little tiny bit away from Star Trek, but ask you about a couple of, you have so many credits, right? Uh, Like you look up your IMDb page and it's deep, it's very deep. Um, But in terms of movies that you have been involved in the stunts on, I have two that I just wanted to ask you about your experiences on. So uh, number one was the Lost Boys, which is one of my favorite vampire movies of all time. And number two is Galaxy Quest. And so I will let you take either of those in any order that you would like, but I'd love to hear some stories about those two movies. Well, we'll start with Lost Boys. I love that movie. Absolutely love that movie. And um, I knew uh, the stunt coordinator, Gary Davis. So we were 
we were close friends. Uh, and uh, I guess that says it all. We were kind of dating each other. But he said, come on, come on up to San Jose. And, or uh, where, where did we do that? It was like uh, in the Bay. And he said, let's spend a couple weeks uh, walking. So that was kind of cool. It was fun. And uh, all, the, all the people that he had from Sunset Unlimited and stuff. So we, uh, I said, well, I'm not riding motorcycles. He goes, no, 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 everybody's going to ride motorcycles, but I have yeah. some extra stunt people that uh, you'll be on the beach and they'll be jumping over you and stuff like that. So I was based, and for the, the little uh, roller coaster there, they've got this little fair thing going on. So we were in some of the, the not a roller coaster, it was um, well, the, Ferris wheel. Uh, Ferris wheel, there you go. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, a lot of us had to be in positions where there was a fight or, um, something was going on. Anyway, we, I safetyed a few stunt guys, just, it was basically what we would call nondescript ND work. So, um, but I had such a blast. Ah, Santa Cruz is up in Santa Cruz and the weather was great. What could I say? Yeah, of course. Always is. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, oh, Galaxy Quest. Yes. Um, oh, my God. Well, first of all, how many uh, Star Trek conventions? Well, I've done a lot of conventions, not yeah. just Star Trek. You know, sci-fi conventions and all kinds of things. So we all know, first of all, I love my fans. I absolutely love my fans. And, I mean, I've had, uh, I remember a woman came up to me and asked if, she could take a picture of me, and I said, yes, where are you from? She goes, Germany. I said, you flew all the way to see me from Germany? And she said, yeah. I said, hold it. I need to get a picture with you. I mean, I love my fans, and the whole and I, we also know all the cuckoos and all the, the crazy ones. But, you know, guess what? Those obsessed OCD nerds, Trekkies, all you want to call it, I'm one of them. And so I always feel at home, and and you know, shit, man. They buy your pictures. They they support. You can't buy enough therapy. You cannot buy enough therapy to make you feel special than having a Star Trek or a fan come up. I, forget it. People don't get it. So anyway, I got called in by a guy. Uh, I can't remember the stunt coordinator at the time, but anyway, he was cool, and he called me, and he said, you want to work Galaxy Quest? And I said, yeah, what's it about? And he goes, well, here's the script, and I read it, and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> this is hysterical. So I said, yes, I have to, I have to be in this, and so on more ND stuff, when the, um, ship crashed, the ship crashed into the convention center, and uh, just to see... <laughs> To see everybody, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm at home in a real uh, convention. And um, so anyway, it was funny, and everybody was great, and we all had a good time. And um, that's his, And we watched Galaxy Quest, and, you know, whenever we're sitting around uh, around the holidays, let's watch something fun, and they say Galaxy Quest. Or the other movie I did, um, uh, Dodgeball. That's another fun oh. movie. Oh yeah, I didn't. I missed that one on your IMDb page. What did you do? Uh, did you do some stunts on dodgeball or? Yeah, I was. It was kind of interesting because here's an interesting story: is that um, I was working on Clint Eastwood's film Million Dollar Baby at the time. It was a very serious movie, 
And uh, I was very proud and very excited to work with Clint and stuff. And actually, Clint and I talked. He bought my husband Gregory, his grandfather, Bing Crosby's ranch out in Elko. So we talked a little bit about how he gets on a horse and things, boom, 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 boom. I mean, he's, he can be funny. But anyway, so I was leaving that set. I worked that set maybe, I don't know, maybe on Monday and Tuesday, but then Wednesday and Thursday I'd have to go over to the dodgeball set. And I was, uh, there's a scene where Vince Vaughn and all his, the good guys are sitting around a table, and um, I'm a waitress that's carrying a big, huge tray of chili. Mm-hmm. and uh, that's when Ben Stiller comes in and knocks me into the table. So, mm-hmm. first of all, some actors and actresses wait on tables to make a living. I never waited on tables. I suck at that stuff, and I, never, I can't even make change. It's ridiculous. So I wound up wrestling, becoming a wrestling champion, and I went all over, you know, from Hawaii to Canada to all across the United States. I made a lot of money as a wrestler. So, and that what played into my stunts. But there I am carrying a big, giant tray of chili. And uh, I think I dropped it a couple times before I even got to the table. And they're like, Williams, what the hell is wrong with you? I'm like, hey, man, this is hard work being a waitress. I mean, carrying this stuff, I can't balance this stuff. So I went up, and I saw Vince Vaughn and everybody. And I'm a huge fan of Vince Vaughn's, huge. And um, and there was uh, Ben Stiller. Now, I knew Ben would have to hit me. I knew he'd have to slam me in to the table, which, I mean, I wasn't scared of it, but, I mean, I could have gotten hurt. He could have hit me too hard. He could have done a lot of things. So out of respect, I said, I turned to him, and I said, hello, Mr. Stiller. My name's Spice, and I'm, you're going to be hitting me into this table. And he didn't even talk to me. Oh. I thought, wow. That's weird. Don't you want to know the guy that's going to hit you and slam you into the table? So, um, so anyway, action came, and I was walking up, and Stiller comes up, and then he just bashes me into this table, and chili goes everywhere, and they do the scene, and it's almost going to come to blows, but it doesn't. And when they said cut, Vince Vaughn jumped up so fast, came over to me, wiped my face off everything. He goes, are you all right, Spice? Are you okay? And I said, yeah. And he goes, get her some water. Come on, guys. Clean her up. I just, I, he goes, I don't want to see you get hit that hard on the table. I said, I actually, Vince, I took it. I took it. And he goes, yeah, well, we're going to have to do it a couple more times. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So I really appreciated his kindness. And I don't know, did you guys see the movie, my husband's movie, Hacksaw Ridge? Hmm. I didn't see it, personally. That's no. Mel Gibson. That's a Mel Gibson oh, picture, isn't it? Yes, that's my oh, husband. It took him 17 years to bring it to Hollywood. He co-wrote it. He, um, he helped raise the money. He's a producer, writer. And it took him 17 years to pull this off because... Um, you know, the problem is when you have a great, great movie like that um, and it revolves around God and stuff, they're not, Hollywood's not too keen on that stuff. So, but it, it was a true story, a miracle, actually. And um, so anyway, while I was getting smashed into the table uh, with all this chili, 
I'd go on and out to uh, Video Village where all the craft service was and out there where the tents were and cleaned up. And I, I said, Vince, I, I really, I really want to thank you so much for keeping an eye on me. He goes, well, that was so unnecessary. And I said, yeah, well, whatever. And he goes, no, stunts are stunts. But I said, well, uh, you know what, Vince, can I tell you about my husband's movie? He goes, yeah, sure. So I told him, I said, he's been working on this true story about the only Medal of Honor winner that won our country's highest honor without ever touching a gun. He was a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, he didn't eat meat. He was a vegetarian and uh, wouldn't touch a gun. They beat him up. They broke his nose, knocked his teeth out, called him a coward. And yet, I'm one of the most bloodiest battles on the top of a 400-foot cliff, an escarpment, during the World War II, the Japanese war, this Japanese encampment up there. It was the Battle of Okinawa, and uh, this little skinny old guy, the skinny, he was like five foot six, 133 pounds, and, uh, and at this moment, all of them, he had to go as a medic, and they all climbed up this 400-foot cliff, and when they came over the rise, the Jap 17 Japanese soldiers mowed them down in, like, 23 seconds. And 130-something men were killed and slaughtered. And it was this little Desmond T. Doss medic that ran for hours and hours and hours, took care of them, gave them morphine, stuffed their entrails back in, sutured them up, and then hoisted them over his back and ran hundreds of yards to the end of the cliff, wrapped a rope around his waist and a tree stump and shimmied them all down. He saved 75 men's lives that day with no gun. And then they begged him to come back. He, Over the course of three or four days, he saved over 450 men without ever touching a gun. It was a miracle, and he kicked grenades away. He literally, um, there was an angel on his side. So anyway, I mean, I could go on and on. You guys have to watch Hacksaw Ridge. It's a perfect uh, for yeah. Veterans Day. It's also a holiday movie you must watch. Yeah, Mel Gibson came out of retirement to do this movie. So, um, so anyway, I'm telling Vince Bond this. And his mouth was open. He goes, you're kidding me. And I said, no, he's working on funding right now and everything. And he goes, oh, my God, please tell your husband uh, that it must be made, and I'm, I, I will look for it. I will look for it. Well, guess who also starred in this movie? Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn wound up playing uh, an Andrew Garfield and it was like, wow, there's no accidents, because that was in, I don't know, when I was in that movie, that uh, it was like 2004, maybe, 2004 when I did uh, Dodgeball. In 2016, that movie came out. We had a six Academy Award nominations. We won two. And it today is the second highest grossing, grossing faith-based film under Passion of the Christ. And so... Um, that was my little story about Vince Vaughn and and that dodgeball. So then, and you know what? Here's the deal: it's a basic fart movie. I mean, you could put that movie on and and laugh all day long. Um, Million Dollar Baby is not, but Million Dollar Baby won the Academy Award, and I thought, Chink, I'm gonna make so much money. Oh my God, it's Academy Award winning film. Wow, 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 wow. I think I've made in residuals about seven hundred bucks. But dodgeball, I've probably made seven thousand. 
<laughs> you never know what you're going to pay for. You never know what you're going to well, get. Well, I mean, it, it lets you know that people don't, uh, don't, um, check the ending of your movies, you know. Yeah. If you see a movie and it's magnificent, but it, it, it leaves you depressed, why would you want to see it again? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Oh, man, awesome story, Spice. Uh, I'm going to pass it over to David real quick just because uh, we only have a few minutes left in the podcast, but thank you so much for chatting about that. Uh, awesome stories. David, what do you have for Spice? Yeah, what's yeah. up, David? Where you been? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been listening to your stories. Um, I was just look, listening to you when you were talking about Hacksaw, and I actually do remember that movie. That was a really interesting movie that was very accurate with history and everything. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad. Um, I'll tell my husband. I'll tell my husband right now who's sitting here that David saw Hacksaw Ridge. He goes awesome. So, all right. So, give it to me. What What do you want to ask me? All right. So, um, I just got one real question, one silly question. Um, So, the real question is. all the movies that you've done, or all the stunts that you've been doing, what's your most memorable, memorable, fun uh, stunt or movie that you've ever, ever done? Memorable stunt? Does it have to be fun? Sure. <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. Okay. Um, I did a movie, I'll tell you this, because... I mean, I try and come with a technical thought process behind me, rehearsal. I'm very methodical about how I even run. If I have to run across the street and I'm avoiding a truck, um, you always have to say, here's my plan A, here's my plan B, here's my plan C. Uh, Because you have to know that every time you do a stunt, something's going to go wrong. You just got a Murphy's Law, you got to have your exit plan to save your life or not get hurt. So... um, I was in a movie called uh, Backstreet Justice. I was doubling um, Kelly, uh, what's it called? Linda Kuzwalski. And it was a pretty interesting movie. Uh, I was in Pittsburgh for about two months, and we did a lot of stunts, a lot of stunts on that, the incline, um, hanging all over the incline, almost getting hit. I actually dislocated my shoulder doing a stair fall with an actor. And... Um, Got a lot of shooting, a lot of climbing. But I had this one scene where, uh, do you guys know Pittsburgh at all? Yeah, sure. Mm. The rivers and the bridges and the, yeah. Yeah, the Allegheny River. I actually, at 6 o'clock in the morning, had to be knocked off a double-decker ferry boat into the water. Trust me, that's friggin' cold. But anyway, on the other side, uh, that like the red light district, whatever, it was all brick buildings and um, fire escapes. So... I had to run up this fire escape up to the third story, get on top of the building, flat top, and then run across the building, the top, and jump across the entire alleyway and land on the other fire escape, uh, which I only had about three and a half feet to land on, and I was blocked slightly with a firebox and a banister going down. And there were no boxes, there was no bags, there was nothing. Today we cable you, but there was no cable. And I remember marking off, and I hate high falls again, here we go. But it wasn't really a high fall, it was a jump. But I marked off, everybody went to lunch, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and I 
took my first step and marked it off, marked it off till I got to the end of the building and pretended how I was going to jump. I did that for a solid hour. That's all I did. Visualize it, walk it off, marked it off, marked it off, and pretended to jump. And on the day, on the minute that we were supposed to shoot that, I said my prayers, and I said, okay, it's now or never. And I ran, and I made it. But how, you, how we cushioned this uh, platform was you couldn't put any bags down, you couldn't put any boxes down, and you, and you can't just land on the metal plate. So we took styrofoam cups, turned them upside down, put a big old piece of tape around them to hold them in place. Then we put a piece of wood over that, sprayed it black, and so that was going to be my cushion landing. So when you hit that board, the air goes out from those styrofoam cups, and that's, that's a little secret on how we do stuff. But when I hit it, my feet kind of went out from under me, but I got up and I was able to continue running down. That is probably, for me, out of all the dangerous stunts, crashing, crashing cars, burning them, and all that stuff, that was probably one of the most memorable dangerous stunts in my life because there was nothing below when I jumped. There were no bags, there were no boxes. There was nothing. If I didn't make it, I would have hit three stories of banisters, metal banisters going down. I would, if I lived, I would have been paralyzed. Wow. Wow. Well, we've got time for one more question. And Ken, okay. are you still with us? Oh, yes. Yes. I'm Ken, and I've been elected as the closer, and I'm going to give you probably uh, bend things a little bit. Uh, in a different direction right now. Uh, okay. Your belief in God, how do you think that changed how your life worked out? Well, when I was 17 years old, well, I grew up with five suicides in my family, including my dad. Didn't think anybody died naturally until I was 15 when Uncle Bo died. And I asked my mom how he killed himself. She goes, he died naturally. I went, wow, what a concept. But I was in a car accident when I was 17 and I was thrown out of the car, landed on my head, rolled around in traffic. And, um, when they scooped me up and took me to the hospital, I was on the operating table and I heard we're losing her. And then I felt this heavy feeling on my chest and my spirit slipped out and I was uh, hovering over my body and I looked down and I went, wow, that's pretty cool. And then I thought, Oh, I could get a, better look if I was on the other side of the table and boom I was there and I realized oh there's no body here I'm just energy and little by little I was being pulled slowly into a warm mass of air where I saw figures of people dogs cats children animals whatever and that's when I thought I was in Catholic school I realized that the nuns were wrong animals do go to heaven and then little by little, it got brighter and brighter and brighter. And before I knew it, I had these giant bright white lights. And there was a voice that said, you're not going to die. You've been in a horrible accident. And you have to go back. You've got something important to do. And I, normally, I would have negotiated. Like, well, now wait a minute. But no, I just kind of said, okay. And before I knew it, I was back in my body. And I was in a coma for six days. I heard everything. I heard a doctor and nurse come in and say if she lives, she'll either be a vegetable or never walk again. 
And, uh, I mean, it's obvious, you can see I'm walking again, but uh, I, I am a 40-year vegan, so I guess I did turn into a vegetable. And um, I had two weeks, three weeks of rehab in wheelchairs, and then two years to try and rehab everything and get back into life. So I went on the road as a musician with my rock and roll group, Sugar and Spice, and I, uh, we were very successful, but I was also very successful at getting my third drug and alcohol overdose. And on my last overdose, I crawled out of the bed into the kitchen and pulled myself up on the stove, looked up in the air vent, where I was pretty convinced God lived at that moment. And I said, uh, okay, so God, what the hell were you trying to tell me in the light? And then I just remember saying, okay, God, here's the deal. Here comes my negotiation. Uh, help me turn my life around, and I swear I'll be an image that changes the world. And as I looked around, I was wondering who the hell said that. And then I realized, oh, my God, that was me. That was my soul. That was my spirit. And I w that was the first time I ever felt really connected to God. So that was it. It was the last time I drank and did drugs, and my, I took my first step into learning about nutrition, turning my life around, fitness. Uh, since then, I've... I got two masters and a PhD in natural health science. I'm a doctor, and uh, I just got granted my sixth degree in martial arts in uh, Arjukampo and Eskrima. I'm considered a master, and I've got a brown belt and a couple other styles. And um, I just finished writing a book. It's called Are You Sure You Want to Live? Because Dying so Much Easier. Because uh, a lot of my patients were sent home to die, and they wanted to turn their lives around to see if they could beat you know the death situation some are still alive some aren't but we work towards a lot of stuff so it's on amazon and um so how everything for me um my husband and i do faith-based film shorts and you can see some on youtube one's called duke another one's called talk to the animals and we just finished a great one called life goes on it's supposed to be a pilot going into a series, and it's about finding the light of God when you're in the darkest hole of your life on suicide and finding your way out through God's light. And it's called Life Goes On, and it's an awesome pilot, and we're hoping it goes series, and that should be out probably by the end of December. So for me... I love my blood, guts, gore, horror. I've played so many witches, bitches, whores, alien creatures, biker broads. I love all that stuff. But I really now in my life enjoy doing spiritual faith-based films because I feel that they, um, they have meaning and, they, and they, from my heart I can speak to my audience because there are so many people out there hurting that feel lost and, you know, our world's not exactly in a great a position right now there's a lot of you know there's a lot of demonic shit out there there's a lot of negative stuff and god has been taken out of schools and and our government and out of everything and without i really with god all things are possible but without god you're just lost and so then you turn to drugs and suicide so um you know, so for, so that's the way it is. And all my, on my shows, before we start, when I'm stunt coordinating, all my team comes together and we say a prayer before we start. Yeah, thanks for your testimony. It's, 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 it's good to sort of see the, the reason why in things sometimes, and we, we kind of lose that 
uh, it's nice to know that you found it. Well, yeah, I think the why is very important. I've lived my my whole life, my medical life, when when patients come to me, like, you know, I've got this, and I go, well, why do you have cancer? I don't know. Well, I'm, I don't know. I don't have it. Let's find out why you have it. When I'm teaching martial arts, you can teach a technique, but the minute somebody says, well, why am I doing this? You better have an answer. You just don't learn something. You've got to know why. You know, if somebody's going to stab me, shoot me, hit me, you've got to know why you do things. And I, I, that's a very important statement that you just said because whatever we do in our life, if you, that's an important question. The word, why. Why are you eating this? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? So, and you have, it, to, you have to have an answer for people when, they, when you tell them things. And you say, well, this is what you have to do. You have to be able to tell them why, because otherwise yes. they're not going to be able to absorb what you say. Well, that's the most important thing. If somebody is asking you a question, why? Because I mean, I I do get a lot of that. You know, when you teach this move, why are you hitting there? Why are you stepping here? If you don't have an answer, it's okay to say, you know what? Thank you for that question. I, I gotta I gotta rethink that. Or you better tell them why, because that's the thing that's going to stick in their head. If my stunt coordinator tells me, hey, look, when you're going to run down this alleyway, you're going to turn left, then you're going to jump on these boxes. And if I don't ask why, um, maybe I, I, I make a mistake. But if I say, well, why am I doing that? Well, you've got to jump on the boxes because there's a motorcycle going to come by and run you over. So it does break down the truth of everything. And um, you know what? That's called communication. And so many people today have forgot that ability to express themselves and to, and, and you know, they're afraid, oh, are they going to like me? Are they going to cancel me? I am like, if you're offended, I'm offended. I don't give a shit about a lot of that stuff. I guess I'm past the age of um, worrying about what other people think of me because I only got one person to answer to. My only authority is God. Yep, thanks, well, Spice. I, thanks for being, thanks for your I can tell you, Spice, the reason why was to make Star Trek V the final frontier. The best <laughs> Star Trek movie that's been made. And, uh, I think it's a great movie because it's a very spiritual movie. It asks questions that other Star Trek And before we run out of time, I'd just like to ask you if you could do us a favor. Could you speak some Klingon for us? <laughs> do you want the dirty Klingon or you want the fun <laughs> Klingon? <laughs> do, you, do you still know Klingon or did you forget it? Oh, please. You can, I was so embedded when, I, when they closed the lid on my casket. I'd be saying, Yes, I do. I, I'm going to speak that to you, but really quick. I just want you to know that when the premiere of Star Trek came out, I had a very, very dear friend who was dying, and they, I called him to see how he's doing, and he said, I have 10 days left to live. I said, really? Who gave you that instructions? I mean, I don't see the expiration date. He goes, no, it's, it's pretty much 10 days. I said, you ever been to a premiere? No. I said, you ever been in a limousine? No. I said, okay, I got a limousine driver to go pick him up. We unhooked him from all his chemotherapy. We escaped him from the hospital, put him in the limo, got him dressed up, and took him over to Westwood where we had the big premiere. And he was walked in, 
bypassed all the press, bypassed all the people waiting in line, and we got to sit up in the balcony, and he watched Star Trek, The Final Frontier. It was an amazing experience for him. And when it was all over with, he had tears in his eyes. I said, Don, Don, how was it? And he goes, I feel like I'm ready to make my final frontier. So it was a spiritual movie. And it did Uh mean a lot, even though they maybe scrimped because of some political BS on the special effects. But anyway, I will speak some Klingon. Yinkak Vishkark Rotutubay Mekmab Motmaj Hooptin Lo Houchtin Push Klahahod Dosh were pushed on Nedgwick Tickoff Kapla. Oh God, I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. <laughs> I can't thank you enough, Spice, for coming on and making this show so special. It it is our actually it might actually be more than our five hundred. I don't remember when we started counting the episodes might actually be 550. I'm not really sure, but uh, we're calling it five. Well, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't really matter. It matters that we had a good time, we all got to talk, and uh, we're all on the same page. We all love Star Trek. And I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with a bunch of Star Trek fans about Star Trek and your life and your experience. So, Thank you so much. And thank your husband as well because, you know. I will. Hang the on. Movie. They're all thanking you, Pops. <laughs> thank you. He says thank you, guys. <laughs> that is a great movie. If you guys haven't seen it, please go and see it. It's it's phenomenal. It really is great. But watch Star Trek Five first. <laughs> yeah, Star Trek Five, and then well, we always for the holidays we are, we've been watching Hacksaw Ridge. Then my husband's, you know, Bing Crosby's going my way, and that's a, a, a wonderful, you know, that's what he won the Academy Award for. And uh, those are wonderful Christmas holiday movies. So absolutely. So uh, congratulations as well. I want to say congratulations Thank before you. we go. And um, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Is it okay if I post that video you sent me on our Facebook page so everyone else can see it? Yeah, of course. I sent you. Did you see the other one I sent you? Yeah, I got one right before we went on the air. I haven't had a chance to watch yeah, it yet. That's, that's some of my acting stuff. And then the other one that I um, posted had a weird glitch. It was like all... It's, did you see the other one? Oh, well, I sent you one about all these, all the different pictures of me and music, and it's about 13 minutes long. But then it got corrupted at the end. So um, uh, then I kind of reposted it on Facebook. Are you on Facebook? Yes. Yes. So if you go to my actress stuntwoman, Spice Williams Crosby. Um, you should be able to see two clean videos on that. But whatever I send you, of course, you can post it. Yeah, I'll post it on our page so that our listeners can, can watch it as well. And I want to say thank you and kapla for coming on the show and sharing <laughs> your story. <laughs> your now make sure, you spit all, make sure you spit all over the place when you say kapla. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. If you, don't, if you don't spit, it ain't real. <laughs> it ain't real. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Spice, and you have a great night. Hey, goodbye to everybody. It was a pleasure spending this time with you, and you also, sir. It was a great pleasure, and stay in touch. Yep, absolutely. Good night. Thank you. All right, guys, that was Spice Williams Crosby. Bye. And, uh,
of the show, and I just want to say to everybody, please stay safe and be good to each and other. And Star Trek fans are the best fans. Okay? Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night, all. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.